Hello and welcome to Baseball Bite. For people who'd rather listen to the game than to a podcast about it. It's your quick end of the week roundup of a few stories of interest. As always, no time to lose. The pitch clock is running. Let's play ball. This week saw the latest instalment of baseball's very own culture wars. Old school against new. Unwritten rules versus let the kids play. The figurehead for one side of the argument being the longtime headmaster of old school, White Sox manager Tony Larusa. Those familiar battle lines were drawn at the very moment that the much-celebrated Yemin Mercedes chose to ignore his manager's take sign and swung at a 3-0 pitch during Monday's blowout 16-4 defeat of Minnesota. In spite of the Twins raising the customary white flag in the ninth as the portly shape of position player Williams Astudillo stepped onto the mound. And from the moment that Mr. Mercedes smashed that homer off that 47-mile-per-hour meatball, acres of newsprint and social media content have bloomed with feisty opinion on the matter. So on the one side of the debate, we've heard Mr. Larusa double down, then triple down, this week on his belief that it was a big mistake that lacked respect and sportsmanship, saying that the player was clueless. And he even seemed quite relaxed about the first pitch fastball that was thrown behind Mr. Mercedes on Tuesday by Minnesota reliever Tyler Duffy, for which Mr. Duffy has now accepted a two-game suspension. The White Sox manager, meanwhile, simply telling reporters that he did not have a problem with how the Twins handled it. And on the other side, at a distance of a fair few bat flips, no doubt, there were the players taking to social media, including Giants Alex Wood and Dodgers Trevor Bauer, the latter being someone, of course, who's never short of an opinion, who suggested to those who are still mad about a hitter hitting, kindly get out of the game. He was joined in his solidarity with, crucially, some prominent members of the White Sox, with Tim Anderson, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito all expressing support for their teammate and, by implication, opposition to Mr. LaRusso. In spite of all that, the White Sox denied that there was any sort of clubhouse rift, although again Mr. LaRusso hardly helped his case when asked about Lance Lynn's comments by replying with a put-down that will no doubt be a famous quote for years to come. Lance has a locker. I have an office. One intriguing voice added to the debate was that of Rangers manager Chris Woodward, who was similarly cast into the role of old man shaking his fist at the pesky kids when he took offence at Fernando Tatis Jr. doing the same last year. But in an interview with The Athletic this week, reveals that he has now changed his mind and is very much repentantly new school. Although if you want a really salty take on the whole debacle, then do check out C.C. Sabathia's podcast, some of which is a little too spicy for the mild-mannered baseball bite to ever repeat. But the general gist of his energetically expressed thoughts was that this is exactly why he warned against the hiring of Tony La Russa, who he now rejects as out of touch and unfit to be the manager of one of the best teams in the American League. Adding with the most valid point in all of this, that if the unwritten rules are so important, why not just write them down and make it a lot easier for everyone. Mr. LaRussa, meanwhile, continued to express his surprise that people were still talking about what he called much to do about a little bit. Whether it is just a little bit or not, in one sense he does have one point. As MLB's Mike Petriello remarked yesterday, the real crime here is the frustration this distracts from what should be the only story in baseball, the current juggernaut that is the White Sox. A team that in spite of all the injuries and roster challenges sits atop with its AL best 26-16 and record and by a fair whack the highest run differential in the majors. Oh, and let's not forget, the player currently with the best batting average in baseball of three fifty-eight is a certain Yermin Mercedes. At least nobody could complain about getting too many no-hitters. Well, actually, judging by, again, the acres of comment, there are those who are starting to wonder if it really is possible to have too much of a good thing. A thought provoked, of course, by not one, but two no-hitters this week. First, Detroit Spencer Turnbull to the dismay of a 5-0 losing Mariners on Tuesday, followed by Yankees' Corey Kluber destroying the Rangers with a 2-0 defeat on Wednesday. 
So that's six no-hitters in the majors this season. Yes, yes, seven if you count Mad Bum. And the second thrown against both teams, along with two already suffered by Cleveland, which prompted MLB's Anthony Kastrovins to remark that we don't have a no-hitter problem, we have a Texas, Seattle and Cleveland problem. The irony has not been lost that it's three American League teams suffering. Huh, so much for that DH, all those fans of pitchers hitting are predictably harumped. But then perhaps not surprising, considering the offensive struggles that those three teams have been suffering. Still in their defence, it is clearly part of a wider context in which the whole of baseball offence is struggling. A point that yesterday Mariners GM Derry Gipoto on Seattle Radio was quick to point out. Although the supremely painful irony is that Seattle ranks 30th for team batting average at 198, just below the famed Mendoza line. Something which at least the eponymous Mario Mendoza and erstwhile Mariner might find grimly amusing. But Mr. Bodo is correct in drawing attention to the fact that offense throughout the major leagues is at historic lows, with strikeout rates rising drastically over the years, currently hovering around a record-beating 24%. Numbers across the board that are on every scale worse than 1968, the notorious year of the pitcher. And with MLB cumulative batting average crawling along in the low 230s, if nothing is done, the direction of travel is clear. But it's a picture with many parts, as in parallel with the accusation that the ball is rapidly becoming unhittable, we also see worries about how safely commandable it is, what with the very unfortunate rise in batters being hit by pitches. As we gruesomely saw this week with Mets' Kevin Pillar's face injury following on far too soon from a similar incident with Phillies' Bryce Harper. And this week, USA Today's Gabe Lax wrote about the growing unease within baseball concerning this trend, reporting that with a 28% increase in hit by pitches since 2017, it is easily at the highest rate in the modern era. The article explores the reasons, but cites from various sources the belief that there is the perfect storm of underqualified pitchers who have not, as in the past, spent long enough refining their craft in the minors, and then are expected to come up with the velo goods when they arrive in the majors. We've pushed for velocity, he quotes Don Mattingly, velocity over command and with bullpens especially. And interestingly, Kevin Pillar recognises this too, as he describes to the report of the meeting he had with the pitcher responsible, Jacob Webb, to reassure him after he saw how much he'd been stricken with anguish over what had happened. The message being his belief that it's not the pitchers who are the enemy here, but Big Velo. We began with the AL-dominating White Sox, but we can't end without mentioning the truly impressive record that is San Francisco. What with its first place in the NL West, marking 25 days at the top, the longest streak since 2016, when they managed 93 straight days leading the division. In the seasons in between, San Francisco only managed three consecutive days, so this really is a return to its former self. Speaking of which, Buster Posey continues his great 2021 renaissance, where he's playing more like 2012. But that's just one veteran in the midst of a powerful lineup, none more so than this week with its crushing four-game sweep of the Reds. As we've seen, the rotation continues to impress with a special mention for starter Kevin Gaussman, who allowed one hit over six innings in Wednesday's 4-0 win over the Reds and the thousandth strikeout of his career. And with his 1.66 ERA snapping at the heels of Jacob deGrom and Brandon Woodruff, the assumption is that the 30-year-old, now in his ninth Major League season, is well-placed to make his first All-Star team this year. But that all pales in the light of the grand finale sweep of the Reds yesterday, which ended up as a 19-4 bloodbath, the most runs scored by any team this season. That included Stephen Duggar's first career Grand Slam and Brandon Crawford, who drove in six runs, and at 34, he shows no sign of slowing down. And with his homer making it 11 yesterday, is more than halfway to his career high of 21 in 2015. 
Speaking of home runs, what better way to announce your return from the IL with something suitably smashing? And so it was with Padres' Fernando Tatis Jr., who, returning off the COVID IL on Wednesday, told reporters before the game that his only goal was to head into the jungle and survive. Well, he certainly did more than just survive, what with going 4 for 4 with a homer and a pair of doubles in San Diego's 3-0 victory over the Rockies. Though arguably even more exciting than that is a sight of that rare beast, an inside-the-park home run, courtesy of Jake Cronenworth, at 15 and a half seconds, the first in Petco Park since Tony Gwynn's 11 years ago. And a quick final mention of a couple of Marlins players making waves this week. Miami was very happy to see rising star Jazz Chisholm also back off the IL with his homer on Tuesday off Phillies, Jose Alvarado's 100.5 mile per hour fastball, making it his second dingo off a 100 mile per hour plus throw, the other one being off Jacob de Grom's last month, making him the first player on record with multiple career homers off triple digit pitches. Meanwhile, Trevor Rogers has had yet another solid start with Wednesday's 3-1 win over the Phillies in which he allowed one run, that being the only run allowed in three consecutive starts, putting his 1.74 ERA not far behind the aforementioned Mr. Gaussman and a clear contender for Rookie of the Year. As again, Mike Petriello remarked recently, very likely shaking up to be the best player of any from the 2017 draft. Ah, yes, my little urchin friend may sound very youthful, but he's actually aged 102, so you'll be glad to know he's been fully jabbed, and this wants me to quickly point you in the direction of a fascinating interview in New York Magazine, arising from the recent Yankees COVID outbreak of eight members, in spite of them all being vaccinated. And although it's not specifically a baseball story, it offers a very interesting insight into the science of it all, particularly in the light of stories this week from teams that are still not reaching the 85% vaccine threshold, including Chicago, where Cubs president Jed Hoyer spoke yesterday of his disappointment at what appears to be anti sentiments on the part of some of the team, including Jake Arietta, who excused his own reluctance thanks to said Yankees outbreak. As always, links in the Twitter. Ah, that joyous sound of the Mariners' home run porn can only mean one thing. It's time for me to trot around the base and get myself home. But until next time, my friends, never forget that sometimes in life, a quick bite is all that you need. Make sure that you subscribe, follow at Baseball Bite. But until next time, happy baseball. <laughs>